This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. The rebranded Ministry of Natural Resources, Environment and Climate Change will be at the forefront to address Malaysia's environmental issues. And the ministry combines natural resources, pollution control, climate change and the water sector all under one roof. So described as a move towards a more holistic environmental governance, the ministry will be led by Nick Nazmin Nick Ahmad. And on the show today, I'm joined by Celine Lim. She is the manager of Save Rivers. And I'm interested to know what Celine would like the new ministry to focus on when it comes to our natural environment over in Sarawak, where Celine is based. You know, everyone depends on nature. It underpins our economy and our well-being. What do we need to prioritise in this new ministry? Celine joins me now to share more. Welcome, Celine. How are you today? Hi, I'm good, Juliet. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me today. So joining me all the way from Sarawak again, thank you so much for that. Um, Save Rivers, of course, you know, uh, has been working for decades now, you know, supporting, empowering rural communities, uh, you know, uh, to protect their land, rivers, watersheds. And you do that through capacity building, through networking, research, education, advocacy. Uh, I'm just reading the things that you put out there. But, you know, for you know, for our listeners out there, can you just remind them about the really good work that you guys do? over in Sarawak. Uh, okay, uh, so just as you mentioned, Juliet, we are based in uh, Sarawak, specifically in Miri, and our focus area is actually an area uh, that is richly populated by some of the most uh, by uh, one of the most bio uh, rich biodiversity area, and it's also home to a lot of indigenous communities. I myself am a Kayan from Baram, so that's the area on which we are concentrating or focus our work on. So the area that we work the most is an area called Ulu Baram, and specifically under uh, a lot of the work that we have been doing with the communities um, is this. International Tropical Timber Organization endorsed uh, project, which is known as the Upper Baram Forest Area. So the idea of the Upper Baram Forest Area is this uh, collaborative forest management, which includes the community playing this huge role in deciding what happens to their land, um, land management, resources, livelihood, uh, and uh, livelihood activities, and so on. So under the Upper Baram Forest Area, uh, uh, or UBFA for short, we have been running a few uh, exciting projects. At least for us, we are super excited every single time we uh, go down that road. Uh, it's a it's a eight hours by logging road all the way in. We always say that it is an experience that is likened to a baptism of fire every single time we go in. Your your lens. Uh, your worldview on the world changes every single time you go in. You are, you are, you you are always embraced by some of the most hospitable people. And so, Upper Baram Forest Area (UBFA). Some of the work that we have been doing, we just concluded the Baram Heritage Survey, uh, where we took a year or two to train. Um, I we identified community members then train them in being the experts on the ground, which they are already mm -hmm. experts on the ground. And what they do specifically is they will they will walk the transects in their area. It's known as transects. It's um, then what they do is in a radius of around four kilometers, they will they will document everything that they see uh, via an app. So they will talk, they will document the paw prints, they will document some of the uh, um 
some of the things that they see, what they see, what they hear, what they smell. So they, they document all of this. And we concluded that particular survey uh, not that long ago, just a few months. And we're really proud uh, on, on that because this was really... This was really local knowledge translated into into uh, uh, science data. You know, yeah. we were working with a few university, local universities as well, and so yeah. So these are some of the things that we wanted to do because we believe that even in the even in the efforts of conservation, we cannot divorce the indigenous. Uh, people ancestral knowledge. You know, they they did something right for centuries. That's why areas that are under the uh, under the territory of the indigenous communities have always shown to have some of the most highest conservation rate. You know, and some of the most richest biodiversity are also under the. Uh, under the territories of the indigenous community. So again, we at Save Rivers believe that even in us mitigating climate change, it is you cannot cannot divorce the indigenous communities from that effort. They must take center stage, and they must uh, spotlight should be on them. And how? So we, this is us trying to uh, merge all of these disciplines together, and 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 yeah, and together address the climate crisis that we are in. So that that is one Baram Heritage Survey, and even right now we're we're also uh, quite preoccupied with our coffee project as well. Uh, we're working with uh, communities in a more of a pilot project, and just seeing how agroforestry could really be expanded in that area. You know, again, combining ancestral knowledge, indigenous knowledge with science, with research, with surveys, and it's definitely super exciting because, again, it's also my home. I, I feel personally invested in the area. I'm proud to be Indigenous. And to be able to play a part in that, it's it's very rewarding. So that's what Save Rivers has been doing, mostly on the ground, going in and out. And yeah, it's been very rewarding. Mm -hmm. And really busy, clearly very, very busy. And I think also, I mean, uh, something that I know we've spoken about off air, you work with many of the other local communities as well, isn't it? Indigenous communities, uh, all these other activist groups as well. You are, uh, yeah, very collaborative in that sense. Am I correct? Yeah. I mean, we are a big believer in in creating strategic collaboration. I, I feel like, again, the, the biggest... We're on the same boat and we're heading towards a climate crisis. And it's even more so now why is it important to form uh, the right, uh, the right, what do you call this? The right synergy, mm -hmm. the right collaboration. And I think understanding, humbly also understanding that we can bring certain strength to the table, but certain strength actually comes from other, yeah. uh, other sectors and other industries. So this is probably us speaking the language of sustainability together and, you know, and trying to trying to just make sure all the different stakeholders have equal parts even as they sit down on that negotiation table or or even on the field you know so uh yeah so i think yes i do agree that you know the whole collaboration coming together is really important and i think it's something that we need to really recognize because i because if we don't work together in whatever capacity uh we're talking about survival already yeah, yeah. you know so so just having that thought lingering over us, I think, should be should be 
a greater motivation of why we need to come and work together and be open about working together. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think we're seeing that across the world, isn't it? You know, more uh, acknowledgement of, you know, how important it is to work with uh, Indigenous communities, you know, to tap on that, that, you know, priceless, you know, uh, knowledge, isn't it? Like you like you pointed yeah. out, they've been looking after it for years, okay? It was... They got something right. They, they, they were able right. to look after it for years. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And of course, you know, again, always very important to say this, I feel that Save Rivers is not anti development uh, but mm. you're for you know sustainable development you know and you do believe that it can be you know development can be achieved without the destruction of livelihoods and rivers and forests isn't it yeah and I think that's again a narrative that is uh, uh, that we want to really focus on when which is uh, which is at the end of the day where we actually want the same thing you mm. know if we talk about development and it comes with the price of environmental and social uh, um, destruction it, it we're we're definitely not closer to our solution if if we if business as usual goes on like before so i think this is us also trying to also un to really understand the situation and also approach it in a more solution based approach mm -hmm. uh i mean sometimes you know ngos are branded being very provocative and very anti whatever uh but you you see you see later at the end of the day it's because um we understand that we're really in this together and and what we are putting on the table is really solution based mm -hmm. you know it's not just it's not just uh critic 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 but it's also hey like let's figure this out together you know and i think uh, we're learning that too and i feel like uh the different sector uh, hopefully are also learning that as well <laughs> then on at the same time coming to that table and understanding that we can work together in trying to find a, a better solution for everybody Mm -hmm, definitely. And mm. I guess, you know, that's why also I wanted to talk to you now, you know, about this new ministry that has has come up. Um, but let's just go for a quick break, Celine. And then when we come back, you know, let's talk about, you know, what you think are some priorities that the uh, ministry, the new ministry should focus on, the new government uh, for that matter. I'm speaking today to Celine Lim. She's the manager of Save Rivers. We're talking about priorities for the environment minister in, well, specifically Sarawak today, uh, because Celine, of course, is the manager of Save Rivers, which is a, based in Sarawak. Uh, we'll have more after this quick break. You're listening to Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. On the line with me today, all the way from Sarawak, Celine Lim. She's the manager of Save Rivers. Save Rivers promotes, uh, supports, empowers rural communities. Uh, they are based in Sarawak. They've been promoting environmental and indigenous rights awareness and sustainable development solutions over in Sarawak, but also, you know, throughout Malaysia. Uh, Celine joins me today to share a little bit. Well, she's been, before the break, she shared, you know, what they've, uh, what Save Rivers have been up to. Really, really busy. Lots of uh, on-the-ground projects, a lot of grassroots projects. Uh, but what we do want to talk about now is what Celine feels uh, should be some of the priorities for the new environment ministry. So it's been rebranded, the Ministry of Natural Resources, Environment and Climate Change, uh, you know, said to be a very uh, a, a ministry that combines everything together, you know, everything under one roof. So, you know, less issues about jurisdiction and things like that. So, you know, a lot of hope for this new ministry under the new minister, Nick Nazmi, Nick Ahmad. So, Celine. There's so many issues, right? And, you know, from where you're coming from, you know, based on the work that you do over in Sarawak, what do you feel should be at the top of the environment agenda for the new government, especially when it comes to Sarawak? Uh, I think on from a grassroots perspective, uh, one of the 
one of the things that we have always struggled, at least in this line, has always been access to information that affects our our land, affects our our livelihood, affect where we are as uh, as people that are living in Baram, you know, in the villages and everything. So I think uh, I think that the fact that there should be an open or or even accessible uh, platform or way to to access information that that directly involves the communities in uh, reports like assessment or reports like the EIA reports, the SIA report, the high conservation value uh, assessment, uh, all of these uh, things that are things that need to be done pre pre development project, right? So I think for for communities to be able to have very simple or even very easier access to all this information uh, shows shows how much that their participation or even who they are as stakeholders is valued. Um, sometimes we also ask the question like whose burden is it to 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 access this information or to get this information, you know, like, um, is it is it the powers that be to make it easier for the communities, you know, or is it the communities themselves have to learn how to access it and so on. But down, but if you look at the current reality is a lot of them are based in, uh, uh, in the rural areas, um, accessibilities like the internet, uh, even roads are, are really unaccessible. Uh, so even like for example, our last uh, general election, um, Ulu Baram, the area that we worked on, had to postpone their their election just because the rain, the weather was so bad, um, the the mode of communication was just uh, inaccessible. So they had they had that later that. But we were also thinking to ourselves like you know wow like throughout the whole nation we were the only we were the only unaccessible, inaccessible area yeah. because of the weather. You know, that, that kind of says a lot. I mean, even though on the hindsight, you would say, oh, population tak lah banyak sangat or whatever, right? Mm. But the fact here is like, you do have that question, how come the only place in the whole nation, Ulubaram was the one area that had to have a postpone of the election, uh, of the voting, just because of the weather because it was bad weather everywhere in yeah. in the nation so i feel like again all all of these shows uh probably it, we ask that question who whose job or whose responsibility is it to make it even easier for this community that was already in a way economically marginalized and all uh, and logistically marginalized to begin with uh in in all yeah to make it easier for them Mm-hmm. Okay, so so basically, um, access to information and yeah, like who 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 should bear that burden, isn't it, of uh, gathering mm. that information? I mean, I think even in in Peninsular Malaysia, you know, I've spoken to so many people and they they describe how difficult it is to uh, even gain access to EIAs, right? You know, which should be, you know, they make it so difficult to get it. I don't know what it's like right. in Sarawak, right? But I mean, it, it shouldn't right. it shouldn't be that way, right? If you are really yeah. doing it for uh, to be uh, open and transparent about uh, about yeah. things, isn't it? Yeah, and I think this this says a lot about um, the 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 commitment to what we say. If we say that we want to include everybody and that stakeholders must be consulted and so on, I think the the narrative here is we shouldn't do it 
I'm going to use a BM word, alang-alang, you know. It should be all the way. Uh, in Yes, they participate in the consultation and so on. But what about the summary of the consultation, you know, and, and how do they access it as a rural community? We as NGOs and CSOs, yes, you know, we're, we're, our job is to be more aware of how to access this platform and all. But the question here is also, uh, again, how whose job whose job is it directly to the communities? Like how how do they access as, who they are as a community to the information? You know, so I think that's where yeah, that's where the question, that's where my question is. <laughs> Okay, all right. So that would probably uh, be the top of your, uh, should be at the top of the agenda as far as you're concerned. But what are some other actions that you might want to see implemented that, you know, maybe some positive steps that will go far, but can also be uh, quickly implemented? I mean, anything in that that area that you think we can work on? Mm. I would love to see even a more uh, welcoming platform even for NGOs and CSOs to be part of some of this uh, national conversation in regards to conservation, environment, and so on. Um, we, When we talk about stakeholders consultation, I, I believe CSOs are also a part of it. I recently just got back also from COP27 okay. and realizing, yeah, realizing later even even nationally, we still have a lot of work to do. And uh, I really do believe that that um, the department that is that is responsible for it, they do have a lot on their plate. Climate change is not, uh, climate crisis is not an easy, easy issue to deal with. So I think because of that too, because it's not an easy issue to deal with, that's why you realize collaboration and, and sitting down with the different stakeholders is should be on that highest of, of priority list, you know. Sometimes we talk about lack of talent, maybe because we are actually looking looking uh, at a different, yeah, we should be looking at a different sphere or a different sector, you know. So maybe this is us also even as uh, NGOs and, and CSOs that, that we want to be a part of even that talent that, that our government needs to 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 run the country together with, with its people, you know, and um, to be able to have that more welcoming or even definitely uh, more opportunities reaching out to us to have that conversation directly with our uh, representative. I think it would be very beneficial in the long run. So, yeah. A seat at the table, right? At that discussion table. Because I, I remember he, uh, speaking to, well, I spoke to Ili Nadia Zufaka, who f- is from Kami, right? She was also at COP27 and she said, you know, mm. uh, they delivered what they called were demands to to the to the Malaysian delegation. and Which Save Rivers signed on as Save, well. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say, which all of you, you know, signed on. And the response that you guys got was, oh, ini tidak sopan, to use the word demand, isn't it? Which mm. was, which mm. was an unfortunate So, sort of, I mean... In a way, if you want us to change the word, okay, la, we'll change, la, you know. But to just get stuck on a, a definition or two, I don't think, yeah. yeah. I, here, we're, we're, we're wanting to have that holistic conversation. Like, you know, saying that, again, as, as a nation, this is a crisis for all of us. It will affect the most vulnerable communities. Mm-hmm. And I think when, when the rakyat presents their statements or presents their grievances, um, it's it's a call to maturely probably sit down together and actually know that it is the togetherness that will get us through this, you know. And yeah, 
Okay, uh, that was that was rather unfortunate. But yeah, I mean, now that there's a new minister, you know, a new deputy minister as well, hopefully, you know, that that uh, invitation for more co- collaboration and more discussion, meaningful collaboration, I suppose, not just collaboration, right? Not just to tick a box and say that, yeah, we spoke to these guys. But how do you actually see that happening, you know, meaningful collaboration between not just politicians, but also local authorities, NGOs and CSOs like yourselves, but also communities, you know, coming together to tackle these uh, environmental issues? Uh, I mean, for for now, one of the solution that we're working towards again is like the projects like Upper Baram Forest Area. Uh, it's an area that is uh, three times the size of Singapore, uh, and what what happens in this area is that again, it is a collaborative forest management. So, meaning who we have in that in that executive. Uh, committee uh, are representative from Sarawak Forestry Department. You have from the communities. You also have from NGOs. You have the funders, member country from ITTO and so on. So I think just having all these different different facets of people and and being able, we are definitely in the still in the progress. I mean, it's still in it's still at in works. Uh, so. The idea of, again, having all the different people represented in a decision-making uh, uh, arena is is probably where we think it should be heading, you know. And yeah, even for our extractive industry, uh, they are also starting to talk about sustainability. Like, I mean, we have the schemes now uh, being being implemented and, and, and you know, Again, the EU uh, policy on on deforestation has also just uh, came out, you know. So all of these things, it really does show you that every single industry is affected by by this uh, sustainability narrative. So to have to know that we are talk, we are all talking about sustainability. I think again, that should be really the place where we can begin, but. Yeah, it's still begin la. It's still that starting point la, you know. Mm-hmm. But whether or not how we move forward to the to a more effective strategy, it actually does really start coming together. I mean, we can we can talk about some of the practices the the communities themselves are already practicing, you know, uh, ancestral knowledge that's been passed down. And at the same time, our industry comes and also start talking about. But how about economic effects and and so on? Yeah. Uh, we are all learning to adapt to one another, probably even for us at, in the conservation too. Uh, we understand the the nature of of how conservation in so many ways, we need to bring in also some of the elements of economic livelihood. But again, like what Save Rivers motto is, we do believe in development. It's just development without destruction. And so, yeah, that's mm-hmm. where... I would say I I would still want to zero in on that point, which is the coming together, you know, and and sitting down later, uh, then strategizing on how to move forward in in mitigating and adapting and even on loss and damages and so on. So, yeah, mm-hmm, definitely. And, you know, the things that you mentioned, deforestation, land clearing, I think one of the, they are some of the most important things Malaysia and also the world, of course, can do to turn around the climate emergency, isn't it? You know, it really should be you know yeah. top of the agenda in that sense. Like what are some policy changes perhaps that that you think might be helpful to to tackle things like, you know, illegal logging, maybe pollution, things like that? You know, what are some policies that you would like to see uh, come to fruition? I think... 
again, I, I would really emphasize, I would really emphasize the role of the indigenous communities in, in all of this. There are policies look good in black and white, uh, but how how it is defined on the ground and how it is policed and implemented is another thing altogether. Uh, so so in so many ways, uh, for example, even for reforestation, um, it would be great to really have more of the indigenous communities themselves uh, doing the reforestation instead of probably uh, corporation uh, or the big industry doing the the reforestation and so yeah so I, that's one that's one way of of, of looking at it um, but yeah Okay. Acknowledging Indigenous knowledge and of course, you know, just giving everyone that seat at the table, isn't it? That I think that's what I'm getting from you, two of the main priorities. And I suppose, you know, for, for anyone who's listening, right, you know, how would you like them to to make sure that the government prioritizes the environment, you know, not just this ministry, but, you know, we've, we've spoken about how, you know, it, it should cut across many different uh, ministries, isn't it? The issues regarding the environment. I mean, what would your message be to people, you know, about how they can keep the pressure up in terms of, you know, prioritizing the environment and the climate crisis? Uh, yes, yes, thinking about economics as well, thinking about, you know, our, our development, but, you know, always remembering that they should not be mutually exclusive, lah. <laughs> yeah, correct. Yeah. Uh, again, you, you know, remember when I was asking about whose responsibility it is or whose burden it is yeah. to actually create a, a more accessible um, participation from either communities or from the people. Um, so I think this is the question that, that we ask. Like, so if let's just say right, right now the, the platform is not very accessible, and so on. So what what do we do even as people? Um, at the end of the day, I think it is also crucial for us to either educate ourselves or find out more about what's what's been happening on the ground. Like, I mean, even for me, like even the whole idea of trying to understand climate change and climate crisis and so on, it came not necessarily with the job, but it came because you started seeing a lot of its effect even around you. Um, things have... The weather has changed. Things have changed so much. The the moment you go into the village also, like a lot of the local experts, they were able to actually gauge like in the past, they would look at the river and go like, oh, I have two to three more days to actually, uh, uh, you know, prepare myself for the flash flood or for the whatever flood, right? But now even the local experts in the village, like the communities that are staying there for, for ages, they cannot read the environment anymore. So that that becomes like such a big warning uh, uh, sign that this supposed expert, they were so good at reading their environment, are now also helpless. They don't know what's happening, you know. So I think, I think in so many ways, uh, uh, we're seeing all of this repercussion. We're seeing all of this, and we ask ourselves how how far how far are we willing to go to actually really make the planet inhabitable for all of us in the coming generations, you know? So I feel like, so these things that you pick up all around you and, and it's telling you that something is just not where it's supposed to be, this was the motivation or the reason why why I, for me personally, like, I mean, I sought out, I sought out answers, like, 
it started out with volunteerism. Then I understood, oh, there's this thing called uh, transition of just uh, uh, energy or uh, just transition of energy and, and so on. So you you learn a lot more as you uh, as you are willing to go. So as yeah, so with all this knowledge, and I think that that helps also with our it informs us in our uh, civic spaces. So even right now, working with all the different others, environmental CSOs and and all, um, you understand. Oh, this can be translated in certain policy papers or in certain proposal papers, but. For I started out as not someone in the environmental uh, connection, you know, but started out as just a, a rakyat, an indigenous person who saw all of these changes and got like, there must be something I can do, in, even in my small capacity. So probably that was the journey. So I find myself today in 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 a position where I'm seeing things like Baram Heritage Survey that's being conducted by local uh, communities, local indigenous communities, and and also having conversation uh, uh, with people on on climate change. And just a few weeks ago, I was in COP twenty seven. So you know these these are all things that uh, I think once we are sincerely concerned about what's happening or sincerely concerned about an issue, it does take us down a path that we're constantly learning and constantly trying to connect the dots. So I think that's what we are also trying to do here. So yeah. Don't know whether that totally answered your question. No, it did. It did. It did definitely. I mean, I always say that you know we really need a lot more uh, environmental awareness programs. You know, we need to start the kids on it. It should be. Yeah, we really need. It's 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 a crisis already. So maybe right? maybe if that was uh, uh, like a practical uh, way of doing it, then then we would say uh, for those kind of awareness program to show our commitment behind it come in more fundings into this kind of program. Okay. That actually shows even more so that how much we are serious about our people being educated and being made aware of, of this issue. So I would I would say one of the most practical, one of the most direct uh, uh, showcase of our commitment is really how much funds were allocated in educating the rakyat themselves, you know, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we are still, you know, they still need to debate the budget that was tabled, right, before the dissolution of parliament. So let's hope that, you know, the environment does get mm. uh, what it was promised and even more, uh, definitely. Um, Celine, thank you so much, you know, for joining me today. Any last message uh, that you'd like to leave our listeners with, uh, you know, as we uh, closing off to 2022, heading into 2023? Uh, I'm sure you guys have a lot on your plate as well in the year to come. Oh, yeah, we do. Uh, yeah, I think I would just, I would just do a little shout out to some of the works that we're doing on the ground in Baram. Um, you could just find out more about what we do at saferivers.org. Uh, but at the end of the day, this this really this conversation of of uh, sustainability and all it's it it concerns all of us, you know. And to start exactly where you are at now, and just to find out more um, because. It, it does. It, it really does directly affect us as a community, us as a person, us as a civilization. So to just to find out more about what's been happening, some of this, I, I, I've said this once to a, a few of my counterparts and I had an I had a new staff that came in and one of his one of his uh, remark was, wow, I didn't know environmental CSOs or CSOs in general have so much jargon. So like, yeah, they do. But it's also because at the end of the day, uh, it just means that you 
you it's an opportunity to learn more right <laughs> so i think i think that's where we are at in this whole because it directly affects us we are also constantly learning and constantly yeah constantly connecting the dots so okay yeah, and let's let's hope for you know bigger and better things you know with this new minister uh, and the deputy minister as well you know uh, let's hope for new things uh, coming with this new ministry um, and of course you know if anyone's listening and they'd like to support the work that Save Rivers does uh, I mean do do you need funding and things like that is that something that you guys are open to as well? Well, we are open to it. Uh, again, some of the best best place for you to check out who we are and our work is saverivers.org okay. um, so yeah uh, we are definitely open there we're also definitely open to volunteers so that can happen <laughs> okay. thank you so much Celine for joining me today I've been speaking to Celine Lim the manager of Save Rivers again just head to saverivers.org uh, to find out more about the work that they do they are also active on social media Facebook, Instagram and uh, Twitter uh, do follow the work that they do uh, and if you miss any part of our conversation today you can always download the podcast at bfm.my earth or you can find it on the BFM app. This has been Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.